Good morning, church. Are we ready? We're continuing in our series, God's Money. If you can help me out, everybody say, it's all his. It's all his. We are gonna look at probably one of the top three most difficult passages in the New Testament. There was a, a moment where I just thought to myself, you know what? Nobody wants hard. Everybody wants easy. Let's just go to an easy common passage that's easy to understand, easy to apply. Anybody in favor of just doing the easy and skipping over the, the hard stuff? Everybody say, no, not here. That's not what we do, right? We want to be able to hear from God in all of his word, right? In all of his word. So Luke 16. Luke 16, if you want to turn there with me, Luke 16, I got my Bible open to page 875. Everybody say, who cares? Yeah, who cares? All that matters is what page you find Luke 16 in your Bible, 13 verses. Do you believe we can do it? I think we can handle it. Let's do this. As we think about God's money, God's money, utilize it effectively. Utilize it effectively. If we really believe God is the owner of all that has been entrusted to us, all that we possess, Shouldn't we frequently ask him, what do you want me to do with your stuff? Isn't that a good question? God, it's all yours. What do you want me to do with your stuff? And when you came to Jesus, this is what Randy Alcorn said. When you came to Jesus, you surrendered the title to your life. You belong to God. He's the only one who has the right to do what he wants with your life, your body, your behavior, your money, possessions, everything everything because it's all his. Let's say that again. It's all his. Come on. It's all his. It's all his. Let's pray. Father, help us. Help us in our time of need right now to understand this parable, Jesus, that, that you passionately shared. God, open our eyes that we would see amazing things from your word. God, we want our eyes to be open to this very complicated story that is intended to change our hearts, change our minds, change our lives. So God, would, would you find us teachable, humble, receptive? Would you find us to be students that, that work a little harder today, to burn a few more calories, trying to wrap our minds around this? because we wanna be found faithful. We wanna learn from others' mistakes. We wanna live in a way that honors you. And God, we wanna understand your heart, your heart for us and the place that stuff has in our lives. So change us completely today, we pray in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. Go ahead and have a seat, have a seat. So let's do this, let's unpack it. We have a, a lot of territory to cover. Uh, if you're ready, say ready. Okay, here we go. We need to clarify a few things. One of them is we, we have this word shrewd that shows up a few times. This seems to be an emphasis of this particular passage. And so what's up with shrewdness? If you're taking notes, and I hope you are, hope you are, this is God's will for your life. Take notes, take notes on Sunday morning, okay? Uh, shrewdness, shrewdness, we would say is wisely managing or wise management for eternal purposes. Wisely managing for the sake of eternity, for the sake of something beyond our lives, something that matters to, to be wise. And so God expects us to be shrewd. The, the whole point of the, the parable here is obviously identifying where this manager went wrong 
and how he got it right. And could we just kick off this morning with this absolute grace-filled promise? God promises that he can take your past and your failures and your mess-ups and all the, I didn't know, and I, w- I was lost, and I was stupid, right? And I made a lot of mistakes that le- led to a lot of regrets. And God promises the story's not over yet. The story's not over. There is a new chapter. There is a new beginning, a new start hitting reset. And we see it here in this story. So be encouraged. But we got to ask, how shrewd are you? How shrewd are you? And you're like, I don't know. I just got introduced to this, uh, this word, right? So it's going to take some time to do some assessment. Well, we got a few issues in, in the passage as we ask this question of how, how shrewd am I? Well, Jesus commended a dishonest manager. Everybody say, what? Yeah, yeah. Is that right? Did I read that right? Uh, bravo. Good job, bad manager. Right. Jesus, where, where, are you, where are you coming from? Well, he calls the dishonest manager dishonest because of the way that he led and how he worked in his job, but he's not commending him for what he did before. He's commending him for how he responded after. Okay. So we got a, we got a major on the after, not the before. Okay. If there's something that the manager did that Jesus is highlighting here. Right. And I just, I just wrote down, um, Hey John, how many mistakes have, have you made before your story before, uh, Hey John, how many regrets can you write down of mishandling and misconduct and, and deception and dishonesty and poor planning? And instead of spending, uh, spending a week writing a book, um, I, I just wrote down too many to count. Too many. Epic fail. Epic fail. So let's make sense. Let's make sense of this. Um, I, need, I need two volunteers. Can, can, can somebody help? Asher, you ready? Peyton, you're going to get up with your, your crutches? Okay, well, you, that, we might incorporate that into the, into the sermon, all right? So welcome to the sermon. You're in the sermon, all right? Um, so Asher, if you want to hop up uh, on top of the, really, you're not going get to the, get the crutches, all right? So we're going to stay low. You're not, no, 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 you're going to stay, yeah, yeah, no, no more damage, no more damage. All right, Asher, you're up top. All right, so if we think about uh, the, the parable here, we're dealing with an owner, right? Asher, raise your hand, okay? He owns, he owns a lot, all right? So just picture uh, all of the different types of olive groves and, and uh, acreage of farmland, uh, olive oil and wheat is mentioned. So that's probably just among a few. Well, the, the owner owns it. It's his, everybody say it's his. And because he is a generous owner, he wants managers to be involved. He wants to, to give that responsibility and to give some of that ownership and leadership away. And so he calls upon the manager, right? That's managing whose stuff? The owner's stuff, right? The manager's saying, none of this is mine. I'm just managing his stuff, right? So the manager now has lived for a few years operating with a little bit of authority, right? Of oversight of the owner's stuff. And so guess what part y'all play? Y'all are farmers, right? So everybody wave and say, hi, I'm a farmer. I'm a farmer. I'm a farmer. Okay. So, so now the manager has dealt with each one of you for years and years. 
and has operated based on the understanding, uh, it's not my stuff, it's the owner's stuff, but the manager managed in a way that was utterly deceitful, dishonest, and wicked for a very long time. And guess who didn't know? None of y'all knew. You just thought, managers managing our fields and, and our orchards and everything else, and just thought that was the way it was. But the reality is, Jesus wants to highlight what's happening in this relationship and the impact that it makes with many. And just because the manager was a bad manager, it's not the end of the story for the manager because the manager does something in response, right? There's repentance, there's a turning from the old and there's a pursuit of the new and it's about making the wrongs right. And so everybody got that? Everybody got that in our minds? Thank you all. You can, you can hobble. You can hop away. Asher, way to own it, bro. Way to, way to strut like the owner. All right. So here we go. Here we go. As we think about this story, master, manager, farmers, and the response, even though the response prior was wrong, there was a new response. And, and Jesus calls it being shrewd, being shrewd okay so maybe you want to incorporate that uh this week right this is your word of the week the manager's job is to work with the farmers not to use the farmers not to abuse what has been given but the master commended the dishonest manager for for shrewdness what does webster have to say about this everybody ready okay thank you webster for for your insights shrewd to be astute sharp keen rigorous wise smart in practical matters. Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. If you want to jot that address down, he told his followers, be wise as, wise as serpents. Everybody say that shrewdness, that shrewdness, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. That's love. So we have shrewdness and love. And Jesus is not saying either or, he's saying what? Both and. Somebody lift up your voice and say it's both. It's both. It's both, right? There is a loving, tender heart that in every single day, all of these issues of oversight and leadership and management is wise in light of eternity. Let's jump in into verse one through three. As we look at God's money, utilize it effectively. Here's five takeaways. Verse one of Luke 16, Jesus also said to the disciples, all right, here comes the story. There was a rich man who had a manager and charges were brought against him. We don't know where the accusations came from, right? Maybe it was from fellow workers. Maybe it was from the clients themselves. We don't know, but there's something about he's robbing you blind and you don't even realize how he's managing and working with you. It's not honest. There's a problem. And so he went, he went there thinking he was going to get away with it. This man was wasting his possessions. What does verse two say? He called him and he said to him, what is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management for you can no longer be the manager. Former prior to presidency, Donald Trump, popular for saying what? You're fired. You're fired. You're fired. Right? Done. We're done here. No more. No second chance. But what was his, what was his response? The manager in verse three, he says to himself, this is his self-talk. This is his sense of urgency and panic. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? My master's taking the management away. I have such regrets. I just got fired. I can't go back. What am I supposed to do right now? For some of us, we've been in those places of, I've been caught. People know. 
I've messed up. I've blown it. Maybe this morning, even for some of us, we're like, we're still trying to hide and cover up and trying to, trying to figure all that out. And the reality is the owner already knows. And as he looks into your heart, maybe you should be asking, what do I do now? And maybe in places of panic, there should be a sober reflection of, I should have valued what I had. I should have done it right in the first place, but I can't go back. I can't go back. I can't go back. But now I have a choice to make. So what does he do? What does he do? All you need to get to where you're going is to utilize what do you have right in front of you? Not what you wish you would have had. Not, I wish I could have done it different. I wouldn't do it over. And I, I know that I lost it. I squandered it. I know I blew it. But hear God say, you have exactly what you need right in front of you to make this right and to move forward in order to utilize effectively in the future, you're going to do it right. But right now you got some making up to do. And here we have the encouragement that it's not too late. It's not too late. It's not too late. Turn your neighbor and say, it's not too late. I, I love, I love that we can encourage each other that no matter what we've done, Anybody in the house with regrets this morning? Anybody looking back going, what was I thinking? What was I thinking when I did that and I made that decision and I thought somehow it was going to work out or I wasn't going to get caught or everything was going to be fine? The reality is, instead of dwelling in the past and as we've sung this morning, like I'm not going back there and I'm not going to relive that and I'm not going to dwell there and I'm not going to hit repeat on the old story, I'm going to make a choice. I'm going to decide today. I'm going to decide I need to do something different starting now. And for some of you, you have some stories of, and I did something different and I repented. I turned away from it and I'm not going back to the old. I'm going to experience something different. Some of us have already developed a pattern of shrewdness in the eyes of God, but others of us, we need to start today. Today can be the day where you say, it's not over for me yet. It's not done. I can come clean. I can get honest. And if you're taking notes, just jot down, value what you have. Value what you have right now. Don't waste it. Don't waste it. Don't waste it. Even though you may have squandered, even though you may have lost, even though you messed up, screwed up, you blew it, right in front of you is a fresh opportunity to take it and do it right this time. Don't squander it. Don't waste it. How about this? Number two, if you're, if you're taking notes, jot this down. Plan for the future. Don't rationalize it. Plan for the future. Don't rationalize it. Verses four through seven. So what do we see here? <laughs> I have decided what to do. The manager says in his heart, right? I've decided. I'm committed now. I got a plan moving forward so that when I'm removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So summoning his master's debtors one by one. I mean, just picture with me, right? He's like, I decided what to do. I'm not going to choose the easy way out. I'm not going to run and hide. I'm not going to avoid. I'm not going to pretend like everything is somebody else's fault. And I'm, I'm going to spin a story. Do you know what the manager does? Do you know why he's commended? Because he does the hardest thing imaginable. I'm going to go back to every single one that I burnt, that I deceived, that I used, that I stole from, I'm going to go back and I'm going to do a face-to-face. -face. I'm going to meet with each one of them. 
How do you think that week went for him? I decided what to do. I'm going to take the hardest, most uncomfortable way forward to make things right. I'm going to make amends. I'm going to do what I can to be honest, to get into the light, what was in the darkness. And I don't care what it costs me. And Jesus is like, pay attention to this guy. Do you see what he's doing here? He's willing to have the conversation. Do you think we might have a problem in our culture with communication? You think we got a little bit of issue of anytime anybody gets offended and hurt and upset, anytime there's tension, what do we do? We run, we hide, we talk about the situation to everybody else except for the person that it actually matters. We don't sit down. I'm not going to meet. I'm not going to sit down. I'm not doing it. And Satan's like, yeah, baby, let's keep that going where everything's in the dark and everything is hidden. And everybody assumes and speculates and everybody's gossiping and everybody's attacking. Keep it going. Keep it going. And it's in the church, right? I mean, this is what we do. That's why Jesus is communicating. This isn't, this isn't for the world. He's talking about to his believers, like my people, my disciples, wake up. Look at what the world does. And they're actually getting it right sometimes. It's embarrassing that you are getting it so wrong in this way. Be shrewd, but shrewdness, it demands some boldness. It demands planning. It, it demands stop with the excuses and I gotta do the hard stuff. I gotta, I gotta humble, that's what I'm talking about. I gotta humble myself and I gotta get with people. I gotta have hard conversations. I gotta own it. It's not your fault, it's my fault. There's things I haven't told you. I failed. It's not about your failure. It's about mine. Humility. Humility. Verse 5, summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, just imagine the line outside of his office, right? Next, next. And every single one, how much do you owe my master? A hundred measures of oil, the first guy said, right? The first farmer, take your bill, sit down quickly, write 50. Then he said to another, next, call him in the office. How, mu how much do you owe? A hundred measures of wheat. He said, quick, quick, take your bill, write 80. Bam, done. We're solving problems one-on-one. -on -one. Nobody else is involved. He went out of his way to be discreet and to be shrewd, even though from our perception, it's like, why didn't he tell him to write the whole, the whole bill? This doesn't make sense. We don't know the whole story, but he's saying, I am not just going to quit and allow my boss to be stuck, right? With my debt, I'm at least going to make an attempt, even though I'm fired, to leave it in the best possible way I can. Did, did he owe that to his owner? How much do you owe when you get the, the pink slip, when you're, when you're escorted out of the building? How much do you owe to your employer? Like, you're done. Like there's no more talking that you're like, you are done, done. And he's commended for his shrewdness because he's saying, even though I don't owe it, I know I stole it. And I know there's things I can do to at least make up for something that I did because he's communicating a changed heart by his actions. This is absolutely not just humility in action. This is humiliating for him to say, I'm a crook and I want to make it right. 
How, how many times do you think that uh, he had some farmer swinging at him? How many, how many of those interactions do you think, I don't know if I'm going to survive another farmer interaction, somebody else that, that I took for a ride and I used and abused and I deceived. I don't know if he thought he was going to walk out of some of these meetings and he risked it anyway. Instead of sitting back and, well, you know what they're going to do to me and I know exactly what they're going to say. I'm not talking to my in-laws because I know exactly what they're going to say. I'm not going to sit down with him because I know exactly what he's going to say. Go anyway. Well, I'm fearful that they're just going to freak out and blow up and attack. Let them. Do what's right. Do the right thing. Jesus is like, this is shrewd. And even pagans kind of know that you should do this. Why don't my people? Why don't my people do what's right? Why don't they do the right thing? Jesus is puzzled, so puzzled that he's so passionate to commend somebody that we would despise, right? And so humility, it starts with humility. I, I jotted this down. Not only is humility going to save your finances, not only is humility going to save your future and future jobs, but when you turn from deceitfulness, wickedness, and selfishness, and you have the hard conversations to set the record straight, humility is going to change not just your finances, but your marriage, your heart. Things are going to change everywhere because when you say there's nothing more to hide, I'm not hiding any longer. I'm letting it come out into the light. I'm going to risk it. Jesus is saying, be shrewd. And shrewdness demands that you are risky in your boldness of humbling yourself and having conversations. This is hard. This is hard. So what are, what are some excuses? Everybody ready for some typical excuses? Because I, I know none of us here, okay, none of us here would make any of these excuses but I hear that there's some people at other churches, right? I mean, there, there's some people out there and they might make some of these excuses, okay? So maybe this is just for a friend, right? I'll, you, I'll just pass this on so you can pass it on to somebody else, all right? What, ex what excuses do we make? Um, how about this with our finances? I, I can't live there. I can't do that. I'm not willing to drive that. We're better than that. And I think for some of us, we make excuses as to our are spending because we are not willing to humble ourselves and say, I'm willing to live uncomfortably and within my means because I quit. I quit trying to compete and compare. I quit envy and jealousy. I'm done with all of that. And I'm going to choose a different way. I'm going to be shrewd. I'm going to be wise. I can't, I can't live there and I can't drive that. How about this? Uh, I must have that. Everybody say that, that. I don't know what, what's your that. I mean, just, you, you, can, you can jot that down in your notes, right? I must have that thing. I must have that model. I must have that design. I have to have that. And I have to have it later? No, no, I, I gotta have it right now. It, it's gotta be mine. I can't wait any longer. And I wonder if Jesus is just saying to his church, let the pagans demand immediate gratification. Allow the pagans to live out, those that are godless and don't know the truth, let them demand their way and have it their way now. But God's people, man, we're different. We're different. We're willing to wait. We're willing to be patient. We're willing to save. We're willing to 
hold back our desires and restrain ourselves and have self-control, we're different, but we make excuses, right? We make excuses. They have it. Why can't I? I think God wants me to have really nice things at what, what, what's the stakes, right? And the stakes are high. And how about this? Uh, typical, typical rationalization excuse. Uh, I can't earn more. I, I just can't. I, I can't earn more. I want the lifestyle of more, but I can't earn it. And I don't, I don't have it. And, uh, could I, could I commend somebody in our, in our congregation? Um, I, I sleep with her. Um, I, I want to, I want to say Sarah out of all people that I know, she has done things that I have not seen a whole lot of people do without complaining, without irritation, without frustration, without pushing back against me as the primary breadwinner. We have been in seasons of our lives where very quickly I have lost all income in one week in ministry. Uh, hey, pastor, we can't pay you starting Sunday. Uh, there is no more money and something happened and now we're at a place that uh, no salary. And I don't know, with, with five kids, I don't, I don't know if you think about uh, what goes through a husband's mind and what goes through a wife's mind. By the end of the following week, Sarah had three jobs. No complaining, no pushback on me. She said, we got to do something. We got to do it quick and we got to, we got to pay our bills. And as soon as I wasn't able to work, I'm on the hunt for different jobs and starting a business. And immediately she's like, I, I'm, I'm going to own this, right? Shrewdness, smart, calculated, Holy Spirit filled shrewdness, willing to do whatever it takes instead of her saying, I'm already busy. I have a thousand things going on. Figure it out, big boy which I hear a lot of conversations among our, our marriages, right? Uh, it's your job and this is your problem instead to be able to be together and say, we're gonna figure this out. We're gonna figure this out together. We're gonna do whatever it takes. Shrewd, shrewd. How incredible is it that we convince ourselves there's nothing else I can do, but I want to maintain a certain lifestyle and we excuse make all day long and we've all failed, right? Including myself, failed big time with certain mindsets that were not shrewd. So here we go, number three, number three, operate shrewdly, operate shrewdly, heaven rewards it. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Verse eight, the master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness, right? The master, he says this, for the sons of this world, who's he talking about? Godless, lost, pagans living in darkness. The people of this world that don't know me are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light, his own people. I wonder if we could just hear Jesus going, why are, why are my people like this? I wonder if God the Father is just, why are my kids this way? Why, why do they live this way? Why are they thinking this way? Don't they know who they are? Don't they know who they belong to? Don't they know what I've called them to? It's not wrong to think about and plan for and invest in the future. It's not wrong to deny yourself over and over again to 
save and to manage and to multiply what God has given instead of, I need it right now, I need it today, I need it at all cost, charge it, charge it, charge it, charge it. Even the world is writing books on how to manage money well, and they don't know God. And many are multiplying their wealth, and they're doing it honestly, and they don't know God. But God is saying, I reward my people. I give them heavenly reward if they would manage well, shrewdly in this life. So it's not wrong. It's not wrong to think about these things. And sometimes we have a tension of, if you live by faith, this is how you, this is how you operate, right? Just trust, trust God for it all. And just like in preaching, could, it, could I do a little, little parallel? I, I, I've spent a lot of time with, with pastors that would say, if you really trust God, uh, then the Holy Spirit's going to lead you, you know, when you preach. So get up on Sunday and just get prayed up and then just step up there and just say whatever the Spirit of God says. Sometimes we have that mentality of, well, just every day God's going to supply and I'm just trusting him. And I wonder if he's calling me as a pastor and he's calling us as managers of God's stuff to say, God's in the planning. God's in the behind the scenes. God's in the calculating and being wise and being honest and being shrewd in all of the management of all of his stuff. So I believe that God's in the preparation of it all as much as he is in the moment of it all. And the world knows that. And somehow God's saying, why don't, why don't my kids, why don't my kids see this? Why don't they think this way, right? Imagine you entrust a large sum of money to a money manager, okay? Some of you I know have money managers, money coaches. I know that you've met with different people trying to manage money. But I mean, think about, I'm entrusting to you a huge portion of my retirement or my savings. And I believe that because you are wise and you're smarter than me, that you are going to take my money and you're going to invest it and you are going to be able to multiply what I give you. And just imagine coming back, right? Every year and just going, all right, where are we at? Give me an update on my portfolio. And he's like, uh, I got some bad news. Zero. Like There ain't nothing left. Excuse me? So I entrusted to you to do something wisely, shrewdly with what I gave you. And you're telling me not only do I have no interest and nothing multiplied or built, but you're saying, it's gone. And Jesus is calling us out on this parable of where is all the stuff that I gave you year after year? If we're saying, not only do I not have it, I didn't even just break even. It, it's gone. Like I, I spent it all. I wasted it all. What do you do with a money manager that does that with your money? Help me out. Help me out. What do you do? Give him a raise, right? Do you commend him? No. You fire him. You go, uh, we're done and I'm suing, right? Like, we're going to make this right. You don't have a job anymore. And as God is looking at his kids saying, I want to give you, I want to give you more. And it may not look the way that you think it does. It may not be, I want to give you all kinds of uh, upgrades and all kinds of financial incentives. But I think God wants to entrust his stuff to those that are going to be found faithful and be shrewd and be wise. How about this? Number four, number four. I think this is so good. This is so good. Start early. Everybody say early. 
God blesses it. I'm having more and more conversations, just as a side note, about starting early and with our kids, starting early and, and trying to interact with our young people and thinking about when do you start thinking wisely about your future and the time is when. Uh, it, it's now and never before have we lived in a generation where adults are looking at the next generation saying, ah, you got plenty of time. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Wrong answer. Even the world is trying to be intentional of raising up their kids to be wise now and to start planning for the future young. And God's saying, start early. God, God blesses it, right? So we have three blessing comparisons here in verses 10, 11, and 12. Do you see it? Do you see it? He compares the first one. This is verse 10. One who is faithful in a very little, little, every say little, is also faithful in much. And so if you want to write down little versus much, little versus much, he says, and one who is dishonest, isn't that interesting, right? Because he calls the person who squanders their money foolishly dishonest. The one who's dishonest in little, whatever they're dishonest about, right? I mean, that's, that varies. But they say, I need this. I have to have this. I can't live there. I can't drive that. I can't live within my means. And, and we're, we're unfaithful in the little, expecting God to give us more. Have you been there? I think we're so prone. Can we have a moment of honesty in God's house? We're so prone to be like, God, why do they have more? And why can't I have more? Why am I in this position? And if you would just bail me out, if you would just come and, and provide for me here. And God is not vindictive. And God is not angry, infuriated. But he's, he's burdened. His heart is tender towards us. And may we hear, child, You've been unfaithful in all the little that I've given you. I can't give you more. I know what you're going to do with it. So it starts today. It starts early. It starts now. I'm going to be faithful with the little that I have. I'm going to be faithful with the little. I'm less concerned about what everybody else is doing. I'm more concerned about what am I doing with what God has given me. And just a side note to spouses, um, you are responsible for you. You can encourage each other to think differently this way and being more shrewd, but you're ultimately responsible for how you handle what has been given to you. You need to be a team, but often teamwork ain't happening at home. Okay. Can we be honest? Right? So you need to be shrewd yourself. You need to go first. You need to lead by example, not nag the other into shrewdness. Show the other what shrewdness looks like and sounds like wisdom with little, it leads to much. How about this? Money versus people. Verse 11, money versus people. What does verse 11 say? If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, can we clarify what, what is unrighteous wealth? We're just talking about stuff on earth. We're not saying necessarily that it's evil, that it's bad. He's just saying, this is not heavenly righteous wealth. You're not in heaven yet. The reward's not there, right? The eternal rewards are coming, but right now, you just got stuff here on earth. It's earthly wealth, okay? So when you read unrighteous, just read earthly, here and now, temporary, okay? So just temporary wealth, you have not been faithful. Who will entrust to you true riches, stuff that actually matters? What does 1 Timothy 3, 4, and 5 say? Manage, this is, this is qualifications, as we looked at uh, last year or a year and a half ago, we looked at First Timothy 
and just thinking about qualifications for the leaders in the church. One of them is he manages his own household well. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how is he going to take care of the, God's church? Because it starts at home and it starts where it's small and it starts with the little and it starts with the stuff and it starts with the people. And so how in the world is God going to give you more money or more management over people or more influence in people's lives if we've been unfaithful with stuff that doesn't matter? How is he going to entrust us with things that really, really do matter, right? Everybody say that makes sense. It, it makes sense. It makes sense, right? How about this? Here's the third one. Employee versus owner. Employee versus owner. What does verse 12 say? Luke 16, verse 12. And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who's going to give you that which is your own? If you, if you can't even manage somebody else's stuff faithfully, how, how's the owner going to give you your stuff to manage that is going to actually be yours to own? And the answer is what? He, he can't. And I, I just, I've been thinking a lot about seasons of life and just thinking what we do in our 20s and 30s and 40s that we are able to live in such a way. And again, we can't go back. Everybody say you can't go back. We, we can't go back. There's a lot of regret. But moving forward, we want to raise up a generation that thinks differently about who they are, their identity, about what they possess, what they're about to make, what they're about to do with their life. And that we would be able to encourage them. Think about your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, that you would be faithful with little, that you would be shrewd so that your latter half of your life can be so very different. Not comfortable uh, Disneyland, not cruise time, but in a way that you can be crazy generous because of what you did in managing and working and multiplying what God has given because many of us have a lot of stories of it, we didn't do that and it wasn't that way and I didn't think that way. Well, guess what God is, is calling you to? Help somebody that isn't there yet to not go through what you went through because you paid the dumb tax. They don't have to, right? That, that you have learned and that you can see others be different. You can offer them something so much different for their future, right? And lastly, number five, everybody say land the plane. All right, here we go. Fire a master. Fire a master. Time to settle it. This is, this is where Jesus just gets so to the point, so direct. If there was any confusion in the parable along the way, there's no more confusion here. Verse 13, what does it say? No servant can serve two masters. You can't serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. How does it end? You cannot serve God and money. And I wonder if, if Jesus would walk in today, I wonder if he would just say, if you want money to be your master, I don't want to be your master. I'm not going to compete with that choose who you're going to serve. And it's not both. It can't be both. How often do we come to a place where we get really honest about, I'm working really hard for something or someone and his name is not Jesus. 
I'm putting somebody on the throne and the king is not Jesus. It's me. I'm the boss of my stuff. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do what's right in my own eyes. And he doesn't mince words, right? You can't serve both. You must choose. If you believe that things can make you happy, God's like, let money be your master. See how that goes. If you're convinced that stuff is going to fill that void, then I'm not going to compete with that. Choose. Choose which one. Choose this day. Who are you going to serve? Who are you going to serve? And I think Jesus being so clear, he's calling us to settle the matter. Settle it. Settle it. Not back and forth and up and down and, okay, this morning, maybe it's a little convicting and maybe I, I... I feel some pricks going on about some changes that I need to make. And I I think Jesus is calling his church to say, settle it. Get get settled in the place that you are going to serve and come under. And Jesus is saying, it better be me. Because money is going to disappoint. It's going to let you down. You're going to use it. You're going to burn through it. You're going to buy things that you cannot afford to fill the void that it does not fill. And Jesus is is calling us once again to say, let me be the master, but there is no competitor. There's no competition here. Jesus rules solo on his own. He will be on the throne if his followers will say yes and bow the knee and settle it once and for all. It's time to fire money as your master. It's time to fire money as your master. Randy Alcorn, we started off with a quote from him. What is it? that keeps us stuck, and I think it's this, it's an issue of surrender. We are where we are often because we have not relinquished control. Because in part, when we think about the series, God's Money, here's the reality. It's not about the money. It's never been about the money. It's not about the stuff. It has everything to do with our hearts. It has everything to do with surrender. 